Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Good morning, Antioch Fort Worth. I want to thank Jamie for the opportunity to kick off the Firm Footing series and also for the labor that he does for our body and bringing the word every week. There's nothing like um, getting to do what he does we, one time to be able to have a greater appreciation. So um, let's all be grateful and pray <laughs> for <laughs> Jamie that he does all the time. And I'm so grateful for um, Jamie and Kim's leadership. Um, as Jamie said, for those of you that don't know me, I'm the pastoral care director on the local church and the mission side. And my background's in nursing, counseling, church planting, pastoral care, and freedom ministry. And um, I'm married to James, uh, the Mission Life group pastor, and we love Antioch Fort Worth. We've been here for 17 years, and um, seven of those serving abroad um, came back to serve the local church, um, and we love it here. We love to see the people of God love God, love others, and love those that don't know him well. And um, we have a church here of people that are passionate about God and his purposes. And so if you're visiting here, we're so glad that you're here today. Um, in my current role and in previous roles that I've had, um, I have privileged to get to sit with people um, working through, uh, wh- whether it's just kind of regular day, everyday challenges, or kind of bigger everyday challenges. And I've also found that personally, God's used some of those times in my life to be the most uh, stretching and growing and and the the best for growing in intimacy with the Father and a relationship with Him. So uh, that's part of the background about why I was excited to be able to talk about firm fitting in these types of situations and challenges. Um, and also just to be able to see all that God has for us in those. So um, I want to encourage us in, in just reminding us that the Lord uses every part of our stories. He uses the everyday, he uses the big milestone, um, days that we remember, um, positively. He uses the things that just stretch us day in and day out. And in the big life challenges, he uses for hit, for our good and his glory. So, um, before I jump into scripture, I wanted to, um, pose a couple of questions. So I am, um, all about uh, the art of good question asking. That's kind of part of what I would do um, in different in different settings. So I'm not just talking about questions like around the table, although we love to ask good questions around our dinner table with our family um, or getting to know friends or on a first date. Those are good times to use questions. But I'm talking about the kind of questions that we ask ourselves and the qu- questions that we ask the Lord in prayer. So I'm going to pose a, fu- a couple of questions for you guys just to kind of get, get to thinking about God and pressing into God in the midst of a challenge. So the first question I have for you is, how do you see life challenges? And I'm not talking about the textbook answer or the Sunday school answer, but I'm talking about based on the way that you behave when things are hard. What do you, how do you see these type of life challenges? Um, the next one is, what if we as the church saw life challenges more as a catalyst or opportunity for positive change, for breakthrough, um, that that God uses to usher in breakthrough, rather than simply as something negative or something to get through as quickly as possible. Um, and, and, the, and that leads us into thinking about what do your, do my, or our thoughts 
beliefs, perceptions about hard things or hard times, does that in a, impact our ability to receive from God in those times? Um, the, the last question I'm having for us just to kind of chew on and leading in to this time is at times, why do you think that we are so great at celebrating um, victories and, and oftentimes we don't know what to do with ourselves or others in the midst of a testimony in progress? I think we as the church, I mean, who doesn't want, uh, is it encouraged and enjoy the power of a testimony? I love to hear um, your stories, whether that's in a life group setting or in a relationship about how God's brought breakthrough or healing or provision. And uh, I think we can all get behind that. Um, but I'm just kind of posing, why is it that sometimes when the, the, the wrestling that we go through in the midst of those times, what is it about those times that we're not able to see that that's the opportunity for God to usher in something that may not have come any other way? So um, I uh, am going to pray before we um, read the word of God. And some of these passages that we're going to look at uh, that are on the topic of challenges and trials and suffering, um, a lot of them are really familiar to us. And so I'm going to pray that we see them with new, fresh eyes and that each one of us, I believe there's something the Lord has for you today, whether it's in the midst of a current life challenge, something before um, that you've not been able to come to peace with God about, or just, I mean, to be honest, May, May for some of us is a busy, challenging month just to be able to uh, do all the fun celebrations and to um, celebrate our kids coming to the end of school and as we trans- transition to summer. And I've personally found just the tensions of a lot going on being something I want to press into God about. So let's look at these scriptures more from wherever you are and ask the Lord for new fresh eyes. So bow with me, please. Jesus, we just um, want to read your word new and fresh. So Holy Spirit, would you illuminate your word right now? And would you... Um, Maybe things in these verses that we may be more familiar with, would you highlight something for each one of us and help us to read your word in a new, fresh way? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to jump off into, we've got four short passages. The first one is in 1 Peter. So we're going to start with 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. So follow along in your um, Bibles or on your device or, or up here on the screen. Um, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So this is, um, in the context of persecution or suffering for your faith. Um, uh, but one of the things that stood out to me about this passage was more like, a, a fatherly preparation or, um, helping us set expectations. Um, and the expect what the part that says, do not be surprised. I find that sometimes I need the Lord to say something like that. Don't be surprised that trials are a part of the normal Christian life. Something isn't wrong every time a trial comes along or even just something that's stretching. So uh, I just want to encourage us to look at that passage in that way as a, as a loving father, helping us have realistic expectations and uh, to not be surprised. So the next passage is in second Corinthians four, eight through 10. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So Paul's referring to some of the trials that he and his fellow laborers were subjected to in making the gospels known. But the thing that I want to highlight, and I think some of us need to hear this today, is that God is not going to give us more than we can handle. It may feel like it's more than we can handle, and it may be uncomfortable, but 
I want to encourage us to consider pressing in to the Lord and maybe even the very sense of feeling uncomfortable with a circumstance or a trial. How could that be something that we, that triggers us to press into the Lord? I often, when I'm praying to God, I'm trying to give something to God. I literally, as I'm praying, picture myself turning to Jesus and handing over whatever it is. And in a redemptive imagination, God gave us imagination and he allows us to use that in the place of prayer and, and literally see that thing going from me to him. And uh, I just want to encourage us to um, to remember that he's not going to give us more than we could handle. So the next passage is in First Peter. Uh, it is First Peter 1, 6 and 7. And all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So Peter is comparing faith that's to gold that's been refined in the fire. And he's reminding us of those two things that he's comparing. One of those perishes, and that's gold. But what doesn't perish is our tried faith. Our tried faith is long-lasting. It's of high value. And a lot of times when I'm going through a struggle and I get to sit down with people who are going through a, va- a struggle, I, I we are not always thinking of the value of our tried faith and that Lord, the Lord is using it for our good. So the last passage in this little grouping of passages we're going to look at is James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So I love what Kay Warren, she is the uh, Rick Warren's wife who helped co-found Saddleback Church with her husband in California. This is what she says about this passage. She says, um, the Bible says in the first chapter of James that our faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors during hard times. It doesn't matter what I say about living a life of joy and faith. What I really believe is obvious to everyone, especially myself, when bad times come. So I, what, what stands out about these passages and what I want to kind of draw our attention to is that one, uh, these passages normalize trial. It, um, it helps us to know this is, um, a part of the normal Christian life. It reminds us that he's not going to give us more to bear and that he's going to use this to refine our faith and to, uh, stretch us and grow us in the, in hard times. So that brings us to the main thing of today's sermon. And if you'll look up at the screen, the main thing is that life's challenges can be tools God uses to refine us, bring breakthrough, and deepen our relationship with Him. He wastes nothing. So I, I want, if you're an outline kind of person, my first point is um, about foundation and identity in Christ. So, um, you know, I feel like it's important that not in the midst of the trial, but in the, in the midst of just everyday life in God, that we want to be a people who are rooted and established in the Lord. I oftentimes think about this when I'm talking with my kids or, um, is, is even visualizing a found, like a house foundation and that is solid and that withstands time. And we want to be a people, it's the people of God who are rooted and established in God. And we're not basing our identity on what we do or, job titles or in where we live or in our culture or any all different types of things but we are firmly established in the Lord and as parents James and I it is our heart that this is something our kids get while they're in our home that they are going to face all different types of challenges that come 
And, and even for you guys in the youth, I just think it's so important that in these days, um, this is when you get this settled about who you are in the Lord, that you, uh, we want to be living life from a place of groundedness. And I, I've got a, sh- a story to share that I've gotten permission to share um, about uh, a season in our life where we had some stretching going on. But as um, as Jamie had mentioned, we served in Zagreb, Croatia for seven years. Uh, we were among the first, some of the first rounds of church planners that went out. And um, as everybody does who goes into long-term church planning, at least in our movement, we jumped into acculturating and language learning, which uh, was fun and challenging. And we were privileged to get to go to a university and for a year we studied language and James and I were in the same class and it was fun because we were with people from all over the world and who were also learning language. So a bunch of various foreigners in this context. And we got to um, not just learn grammar, but also to do discussion time. So in this particular time, we had a discussion and it was r- rolling around. And ironically, the story is about, more about James's snafu than mine. But um, he, uh, we're in that setting and it comes on to him. Um, and the question is, what's your treasure or like, what's the most important thing to you in life? And so we're married and people know what we're about in this setting. And James just confidently blurts out, um, when asked, what's your treasure? What's most important to you? Um, God and women. (laughs) And ironically, what, what you may not know is that the word for wife and woman is very close in Croatian. And, um, I was big pregnant sitting next to him right next to him. So they're all dying laughing. Like we're, and we're like, and he quickly says, God and my wife, God and my wife is what he intended to say. But uh, we had lots of humbling uh, opportunities that are humbling. And there's other people here who have their fair share of stories who've uh, been able to go serve in the nations. And what I want to share about that for me is, although I do have funny language stories, um, it was a real opportunity to press into God when all my props were taken out from under me, meaning like my culture, my family, my friends. We had dear friends with us, the Vassies, but there, there are also a lot of the things that are familiar were gone and we're acculturating. And for me, leading up to this time, I, um, I was working in a, uh, as a Christian counselor in a program at a behavioral health care center. And so that line of work and a lot of volunteer ministry opportunities I'd had, it requires a lot of language, not opening your mouth and sounding like a child. <laughs> and so it was stretching and uh, learning how to kind of do a role that is more pioneering than all spelled out. But it was an amazing opportunity for me to press into God. And once I kind of saw it as that opportunity and started pressing into the Lord, I learned things that that I don't know that I could have learned in other ways about depending on God. And so I, in that context, I just want to ask you, what are what is your things that you may be depending on that you might not know? And how could you press into God to be able to ask him about those things that may not be in your conscious mind, but ways, things that you've depended on to kind of shore up who you are that may need to go as you press in to to setting your identity firm in the Lord. Um, Also, I want to encourage us in the context of identity to be people that declare things over one another. I love Steve Backlund's book, You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. Um, And he talks about... um, just declaring things. And we want to be a people, James and I, with our kids, we want to be people, but the people of God here, we want to be a people that declare who we are. And when we see each other, greet them as as man and woman of God or daughter or son of a king and remind them that when we're in life groups, remind each other as we're struggling, this is who you are. 
And we need to be reminded who we are and what we're about. My second point is stay aware and alert of the spiritual battle, especially during these times. Um, you know, I am not going to preach totally on spiritual warfare here, but we all know there's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. And things are always going around. We, we Our battle is not against flesh and blood, and we want to put on the full armor of God. What I want to talk about is how so many of us know that, but the things that can so easily uh, keep us from staying aware and alert. Um, you know, we've got constant distractions going on, and it is hard. I, I mean, I must confess, if I just zone out into Netflix or scrolling off my phone, it's hard for me to stay aware and alert. And uh, I'm not, those things can, can be used. I'm not saying, you know, that we can't use any of those things. But what are things that we kind of numb or check out with in times when those things may give a little bit of temporary comfort, but it's never going to give, it's counterfeit for what the, the Holy Spirit alone can give you. And so we want to be about um, staying aware and engaged. You know, our, our thought life affects how we feel, which affects how we behave. So if we want to make change in life, we want to be a people that are renewing our mind. So we want to, as I encourage you in renewing your mind, I just want to say, if you do not have a game plan for the renewing of your mind, you are a setup for the enemy to come against you. And um, in, in this topic, I, I lead a ministry here called Listening Prayer. Um, we have an amazing team of people, some of whom are here. And um, we get the privilege of sitting down with people who are learning more about hearing God. They're learning, uh, they're removing hindrances in their relationship with Father God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, and um, coming to peace with God about some difficult circumstances. And sometimes those things aren't going on. They're just wanting to connect with God. But some, a decent amount of time we've got people who are trying to come to peace with God about something in particular. And the things that stood out to me about that um, over... I don't know, five or six years of sitting down with people and helping them hear God are three ways that the enemy um, typically or oftentimes attack in times of trouble. And those are lying to us about who we are, lying to us about who God is, and keeping us bound up in unforgiveness. And so I just want to encourage us to be aware about that. And I you know, even in preparation for this week, I mean, this has been a full week. I've had a lot going on. And um, somebody, it's ironic because I, I do this with people all the time, but something someone said in life group this week, hey, help me just ask the Lord. Lord, is there a lie of believing in this area? And I felt like the Lord said, you think it's all up to you. And if I wouldn't have asked him, I wouldn't have ever known that. I didn't, it's not in the front of my mind. Um, and so I'm not just talking about overt lies. A lot of us, the people of God, we're pressing into God, but sometimes we need to press in when we have a, a place of tension um, and specifically ask the Lord, what do you have for me? We have a great resource called Tending Your Heart that's a part of the tools that we use. And I've got some extras I'll put up here. We have this resource online. And it's a way to be able to, when you are not in a place of peace, to turn to the Lord and try to process things on a heart level in prayer with the Lord. And so that's what I'm talking about is staying engaged. Oftentimes, it's the battlefield of our mind and it's in our minds and hearts where the enemy wants to trip us up. And the, the battle is won. Jesus won the battle. And we have authority in Jesus to carry that into our circumstances, into the other circumstances that we have. And we have to remember in a spiritual battle that if sometimes 
Sometimes when we're under attack, it's because we're onto something, because we're a threat to the, to the kingdom of darkness. And instead of things, being afraid of being able to say, I carry the authority of Jesus and I carry that into this circumstance, and he's got, the victory is mine, and just bringing that authority and victory into our circumstances. So the, the next point we're going to talk about is pressing into God in the midst of hard things. I want to encourage you that as you're pressing into God, I'm talking about being real and authentic with God. I am talking about acknowledging feelings and pain and giving them language. Allowing ourselves to feel negative emotions and not stuffing them, not numbing them, not spiritualizing them away, but being able to be real and present with God. I mean, think about in Psalms and in Lamentations, there is real authenticity going on there. And we want to be people like that, that are real and authentic with God and with ourselves so that he can meet our deepest needs. Some of us need to hear the Lord wants to meet you in the deepest place of pain. And if we can't get real with ourselves about the pain we're experiencing, it's hard for us to be able to be in a posture to receive from the Lord. And so um, I want to quote from a book by Peter Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. So um, if you'll listen to this quote, it's challenging and encouraging to me, and I hope it is to you. Many of us Christians believe wholeheartedly that anger, sadness, and fear are sins to be avoided, indicating something is wrong with our spiritual life. We try to inflate ourselves with a false confidence to make those feelings go away. He goes on to say, to feel is to be human. To minimize or deny what we feel is a distortion of what it means to be image bearers of our personal God. To the degree that we are unable to express our emotions, we remain impaired in our ability to love God, others, and ourselves. So um, as we kind of think on that about just emotionally healthy spirituality, Scazzaro in his book um, outlines 10 um, unhealthy spiritual spirituality kind of symptoms. And I wanted to share three of those with you today that I think are relevant to, to this topic. The three I wanted to share with you are ignoring the emotions of anger, sadness, and fear, which we just talked about. The second is using God to run from God. And then the third is doing for God instead of being with God. And so I'm going to give you some, some real life examples that Peter Scazzaro gives about using uh, God to run from God. So if, you know, I'm asking in a prayer in, in, uh, advance of us coming, if there's one that the Lord really wants to, to speak to you about, I, if you kind of feel something in your heart, like, ah, I've done that or I get that. Um, I just want you to take note of that as I read these. So here are symptoms to using God to go to uh, symptoms or examples of using God to, to run from God. When I do work, God's work to satisfy me and not him. When I do things in his name, he never asked me to do. When my prayers are really about God doing my will, not me surrendering to his. When I demonstrate Christian behaviors so significant people will think well of me. When I focus on certain theological points that are more about my own fears and unresolved issues than concern for God's truth. When I exaggerate my accomplishments for God to subtly compete with others. When I use scripture to justify the sinful parts of my family, culture, and nation instead of evaluating them under his lordship. And the last one, when I apply biblical truth selectively when it suits my purposes, but avoid situations that would require me to make significant life change. So 
I just want to encourage us. Let's be aware. We don't want to, we don't want to use God for, to run from God. And when I'm talking about pressing into God, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about pressing into the person of God to experience Him and grow in your relationship. He uses every regu- regular everyday trials and just stretchings that are normal and big trials of our life to, for our good and for His glory. And He loves us and He wants to meet us in a way that only He can during those times. The, the, the other point, the third point about doing for God instead of being with God, we're going to talk about that for a little bit right now. And I think as Westerners, that is, that is a deal. It's hard. Um, we oftentimes not intentionally value and idolize busyness and feel like busyness equals worthiness or importance. Um, and we don't want to be those people. We want to be people who be with God in, in the quiet place. We connect with God. And out of relationship with God and all that he gives us as we're being with him, then the doing overflows out of that, if that makes sense. So I just want to um, read uh, this last passage. We're going to read John 15. So uh, if you want to open up to John 15, 1 through 8 in your Bible or on your device or follow along up here. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit, much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So I've got some pictures. Um, I don't know if you guys are like me, but when the Lord uh, is teaching us through stories or parables or things in the Bible that kind of have imagery, it helps me to have to see a picture. And um, our, we were on sabbatical just for a few months last year. And the Lord really was speaking to me out of John 15. Um, I had received words from others and in just my time with him, I was pressing in to wanting to learn about being with God and being um, a branch connected to the vine rather than just the doing. And um, it was really powerful for James and I. We were able to see some vines during pruning season. And especially because we were spending time in John 15, it really kind of leapt out and was, um, the Lord spoke through it. You know, the Lord oftentimes speaks so much through nature. And so this is um, vines, uh, just a vine with the branches. So you can see the little branches. And on the next picture, this is a vine in pruning season that's been pruned back down to the nubs. And this next picture are the branches ready to be burned in the fire. And just seeing this process going on was so encouraging. One, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of, the pruning season is a lot of work. And uh, I think a lot of times we think of pruning and we think of pain. And, um, but I, I was able to see more of the loving care of the vine dresser, the Lord, who's the vine we're connected to, but he also cares for the vine and prunes it and uses things that we would go through regardless for, for our good and his glory. So um, I just want to encourage you when you're reading that passage um, to be connecting with the Lord. And I also want to challenge us um, to grow in the life skill 
the spiritual life skill of stirring yourself up in the Lord and learning what's, what, how can I stir myself up in the Lord? There's days when are just mundane days that are hard. There's days that are really challenging. And we need to have tools in our spiritual tool belt to be able to help us to press into God. So um, I love what Jamie and Kim teach us about quiet time. And it's been shaping to my spiritual life and to James's and our families. And I'm encouraging us, not just the tools in the, in the quiet time in the morning that help us connect with God, but what, what are the things that help you to stir yourself up in the Lord? to not stay stuck, to be able to be engaged in the spiritual battle. For me, oftentimes worship and practicing gratitude really helps shift the atmosphere when and I need a shift uh, in the Lord. So I want to encourage you, what is that for you? If you don't know, experiment. When you're having a hard time, you know, try to press in the Lord. I use the tending your heart tool a lot and it's helpful, but I want to encourage you to to consider what what is it that when I'm having a hard day can help me to be able to press into God. My Fourth and last point, if you're doing the outline, is pressing into community in the midst of life's challenges. So I know we're all about community because you're here and you value church and church life. So um, I want to share some things, not just from the Word of God and um, and from leaders, although we a lot of those things we're more familiar with about community and what God says about community and all the one another's of Scripture. But I want to share a couple of stats that are more from some stec- secular studies. Um, that affirm what God says is true about life and community. So uh, this one is from a Duke University Medical Center study uh, that happened. The the article was from 2008. um, And it says, in general, studies of subjects in different settings from different ethnic backgrounds in different groups, like age groups, and different locations, so both in and out of the United States, find that religious involvement is related to better coping with stress that leads to less depression, suicide, anxiety, and substance abuse. So um, it's healthy. It's good for us in our mental health. And the other article that was, it was a 2016 um, article about a 20-year Harvard study showed that uh, they had a study with w- women who went to religious services twice a week was one group, and then a group that did not att- attend any church or religious services. And it found that the women who attended church or religious service twice a week, they were one less, one third less likely to die. So in other words, they, their death rates were one less, uh, one third lower than those that weren't in that group. So I'm just saying it's healthy to be in community. It is healthy for our physical health, for our mental health. And it's good for us. And I know that a lot of times for some of us, it's in those times that it's the, the most difficult. It's in those times um, that it's challenging to press in, but I want to encourage us that it's good for us. It's we're, it's better together, and we don't want to be alone. It's not healthy to be alone. Jamie will oftentimes talk about sometimes when we're off on our on our own, our thinking can be you know off base. Um, God put us in families and church families, and I find in the work that I do that a lot of times the things that God is growing in us and stretching us, and things come out in the context of relationship and our relationship with our family members and the relationship with our church family. And so we want to press into God in the community in the midst of um, when we're family. Also, I'll find a lot of people that'll do kind of a, it's even though it's different in a kind of an emergency kind of fight or flight response, but even in just dealing with challenge, people kind of have this response oftentimes where the fight is like fighting to get out of it. Like, how can I get out of pain? How can I get out of this situation? 
And so much so that it's distracting to be able to kind of settle down in it and turn to God and receive from God. And then I'll find sometimes these people that it's more of the flight. And I don't mean they're necessarily running out the door or leaving, but oftentimes they uh, avoid through uh, all different kinds of things, media, um, getting lost on their phone or um, food or alcohol, drugs, and even sometimes uh, things that you might think of more in a positive light. But they're going to those things um, to kind of avoid dealing with the circumstance. And we want to be a people that press into God and receive the, the, not the counterfeit, but the truth of what he has for us. He wants to, he can love us in a way that we, like nothing else in these times. And he wants to, all we've got to do is learn to press into him. So I, um, I also want to say, you know what? We have blind spots in life and community, like blind, something's back here. I don't see, but feedback in the context of community brings things to the light. And we want to be a people in community that, that are about that. And I want to encourage us um, as a church to practice uh, vulnerability in community. Uh, nothing grieves me more. We're, James and I, James is a life group pastor, and I get to be involved in zone pastoring and, and section leading and life group leading. And it grieves me when I see people who go to life group as a check off the box kind of a thing. And God really wants to meet them in a way um, that he wouldn't be able to otherwise in the context of community. Um, but it requires us to take a risk and be vulnerable. So um, I want to share um, uh, some information and a quote on vulnerability from Brene Brown. Many of you know her work. She's an author, speaker, and a um, shame and vulnerability researcher. And she says that vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, change. It's also key in regards to shame, building shame resilience. It's the birthplace of joy and belonging and love. And this quote from her book, Daring Greatly, says, Daring greatly means the courage to be vulnerable. It means to show up and be seen, to ask for what you need, to talk about how you're feeling, to have the hard conversations. And when I hear that, I hear church. And I hear life group. And I want to encourage us, whether if you've never visited a life group, we would love to have you visit a life group. Just put your toe in and check it out and experiment and go visit a few. And if you are in a life group, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord how you could press in to being vulnerable that would help us to have our life groups be safe places for people to come and be real. If you're wanting more of that, the best way that can happen is by you jumping out and taking a risk and being vulnerable. And for those of you who may be thinking, um, I don't have um, the I, I don't have the Christian community I want, or I don't have the Christian um, friendships that are sharpening that I'm wanting. Um, I just want to encourage you to seek the Lord about what your next step is and initiate. A lot of times, I'll get to hear people that are like, "Oh, I'm wanting wanting more here or there," and, and almost thinking that everybody is you know got that figured out. But I would say. There's a lot of people that are wanting and needing and seeking out more depth of relationship and community and in friends. And the way that we can do that instead of necessarily just sitting back and waiting for something to happen is to take a, take a step out and initiate, invite somebody over to eat, um, somebody from your life group, somebody you met at church and have them in your home. And um, I think, you know, the Lord wants us to be able to step out in, in faith and step out and getting to know people so that we can help build the life-giving community, um, whether that's through life group and church life and discipleship and things like that, that, that we need. So um, I, in closing, I, I just want to remind us what we're talking about here, the, the things about pressing in. And this is 
this can be, if this is a big life challenge, this can be just an everyday discomfort. But in these times, we want to be a people that press into God. So in uh, and, and just summarizing it, I talked about foundation and identity rooted in God, talked about staying aware and alert to the spiritual battle and to pressing into God and community. So I, I want to encourage you to think through what is God saying to me about this? What is God saying to me about how I handle, how do I think about or perceive challenging things? Is that from a godly perspective or is that from um, any other influence, Western culture or um, us as Americans who value comfort? Um, and or, or is that is God shaping our thoughts? Um, we're going to transition um, into ministry time, but before we do that, I just want to speak Romans 8.28 over us. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He wastes nothing. He Church, he wastes nothing, and he wants to meet you right where you are. This is just a regular everyday thing. If you're in a like great season of life where there's some encouraging milestone type days, or if you're in a really hard place, he wants to meet you right where you are. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to, to say, there's somebody here that needs to know that God loves you. He loves you more than anyone or, or, or anything that you could receive peace or joy from. God wants to meet you. He knows you. He created you. And I just want to encourage you to, to turn to him, maybe in the past in ways that you would have turned to other things, to uh, to turn to Jesus and receive from him what only he can give. So if you would stand with me, please, we're going to transition into ministry time. And I want to invite you, if this message uh, hit you and you need prayer for a challenging um, season, a challenging circumstance, or if there's anything going on that you want prayer about, we've got some amazing um, godly people up here on our ministry team that are safe and they are here to pray for you. And I do want to pose two questions, whether you come up front or you are staying there and connecting with God during this time. I want you to ask the Lord, what's my next step towards you regarding whatever the life challenges I'm dealing with? And for those that are that you know this kind of hit you and you're not at peace with God about a current life challenge or a past life challenge, I want you to ask the Lord in prayer, what do you want to say to me about my inability to come to peace with you about this life challenge? And I just believe the Lord wants to meet you today. So if you would pray with me, please, and feel free to start coming down to receive prayer. Jesus, we just say you are good and you are faithful and you are the, the ultimate counselor and pastor and provider. And you know us in ways we don't even know ourselves. So Lord, I just ask, Father God, that you would meet each one. I pray each one of us, whatever um, you've been saying uh, during this time as I'm sharing, Lord, would you highlight whatever you want to highlight and would you speak to the hearts of those that are here? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would comfort that you would protect, that you would speak life um, here in the midst of what's going on. And you would meet us, Lord. Help us to be as the people of God to press into you no matter what's going on in our life. We love you, Jesus. Would you meet us here during this time? Amen. <laughs>